0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Immanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. All right, please be seated. Glory to God. All right, I'm going to share with you for the next few minutes, something very important. You see, you don't declare the Word of God when everything seems to be working fine. It is even in hostile moments that you get bolder in your declaration of the Word of God. Hallelujah. I know that the world is in a precarious situation right now, but this is the time to speak boldly and to remind ourselves of who we are in the Lord. And so we are rising in boldness to show the world that this is what we've been talking about. We know who we are in the Lord. And in this situation, all right, thank God for medicine and all of that. But can I tell you something? There's going to be such an outburst of the miraculous. An outburst of the miraculous. And you see, many people will begin to look to the church for answers. And we have answers ready and waiting. Hallelujah. I want to start by reading something just to stir you up a little. You know, in 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. It says, and whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. The day you were born of God, you overcame the world. You have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Glory to God. Listen, the word of God is given to aid our confession. So when you read something like this, you declare, I have overcome the world. Whatever is born of God has overcome the world. The day you were born of God, you overcame the world. And he describes your victory. He says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. He says, our faith. Say that with me. My faith has overcome the world. Hallelujah. Say it again. My faith has overcome the world. Being born again must be special then. You see, if you've been in church too long, you have to renew your mind often. Because some people find themselves in a situation where, you know, they read things like this. And it doesn't have the effect it's meant to have again due to familiarity. And so you have to renew your mind. I have overcome the world. Meaning there is no challenge, no situation I will ever face on earth that will make me you know, reconsider my conviction or make me feel disadvantaged. It's never going to happen because I've overcome the world. Glory to God. And this conviction is so important. Listen, what does it mean to be a son of God? I think this is a good place to begin. What does it mean to be a son of God? At a time like this, We need to reconsider. And you see, someone says, oh, I've heard that before. No. At a time like this, you need to revisit your convictions. Can I tell you something? Now, a lot of what you believe will be tested. The question is, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? We've talked about it. We've preached on it. Listen, it's time to do the word of God and be bold about it. What does it mean to be a son of God? And I want to share this with you. This is the first time I'm going to explain it this way. So I want you to pay attention. You see, the Gospels, in, in apart from, I think, the book of John, what we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they usually begin with what is called the genealogy. And the reason why that's important is because prophecy was clear about this. And it says that whoever was going to be the messiah was going to be through the lineage of abraham and david and so before um the the apostles began to tell you who jesus was and to prove that he was the messiah they started with the genealogy to let you know that first of all he passed that test but there is something interesting i want to show you you know in luke's genealogy in luke chapter 3 he was given the genealogy and then he got to Enoch in verse 38 and it says the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam and who did he call Adam? The son of God. Why did he call Adam the son of God? Because nobody gave birth to Adam. Adam was. It did not come to be by natural procreation. He he was the handwork of God. You see, the Bible says that God took soil and formed him and breathed into him, and he became a living soul. So, because no body, no human seed was responsible for the birth of Adam, he calls Adam the son of God. And so when you think of Jesus, the Son of God, you know, a lot of people say, oh, what does that mean?" Now, this is, this is biblical terminology. And this terminology was just pointing you to the fact that he was not born by natural procreation. You know, the Bible tells us the story. In Luke chapter 1, you know, an angel appeared to Mary and gave her this grandiose salutation. She became afraid. What kind of salutation is is this and he says don't be afraid you found favor with god you will conceive and his name will be called jesus you know and he will save the people from their sins and they were like she was like i'm a virgin how does how shall this be seeing i know not a man and then the angel explained this to her in luke chapter 1 verse 35 it says the holy spirit the holy spirit will come upon you the of the highest will overshadow you he says therefore meaning as a result that holy thing which shall be born will be called the son of God so why will it be called the son of God because Joseph was not going to be involved in his birth in his formation in the womb it was going to be the overshadowing influence of the Holy Spirit that is going to miraculously birth That child. And so that's why he's called the son of God. Because no no human effort produced it. Produced that seed or supplied that seed. Now that's so important. But it also tells you this. Jesus was as much a man as the first Adam. In fact, there are only two men in history who walked the face of this earth without being born in natural birth. The first Adam and the last. And both were called sons of God. This is very important. Both were called sons of God. And Jesus was a man. 100% man. The Bible says, let this man be in you which was also in Christ. Who, you know, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The Bible says, that there's, there's, a, there's a Greek word for that and I don't want to go into that. But this is the word from which The concept of incarnation is birthed. He emptied himself of deity. He laid aside his his divine privileges. Took on the form of a servant. The Bible says the word became flesh. He became a man. And dwelt amongst us. A lot of people think, you know, it was not a vision. It was not a ghost. He was actually a man. God became a man. You have to understand this. And in his modus operandi, you could see that he was a man. He could get tired and fall asleep. He fell asleep and the boat was sinking. He didn't wake up. In fact, the people in the boat were angry. Don't you care that we're about to perish? He was sleepy. He was hungry. The reason why he was able to meet the Samaritan woman was because the disciples had gone to look for food for him. He could get hungry. He could get thirsty. On the cross he said, I thirst. He could get thirsty. He could get tired. As he carried his cross to Golgotha, at some point he fell down. There was no strength left in him. When he was whipped, he felt it. Blood came out. This is so important. And then the ultimate proof of his humanity was his death he died he died for us he died our death so now the question is this if he was 100 percent man how then did he live such an extraordinary life that's the question we must answer today if he identifies with us so much in humanity how come he lived such a supernatural life? And that's a question we're here to answer. And it's not a guesswork. The Bible is clear on this. We know from the word of God the secret of Jesus. How is it that someone who was fully man, as human as we are, but he lived such an extraordinary life. The Bible is clear on that. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10 verse 38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth so Jesus had to be anointed he was a man and so he was anointed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power he was anointed of the Holy Spirit and so the Bible tells us what happened afterwards he went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil because God was with him you see this is his humanity and if he was going to do any mighty work any supernatural work he needed the holy spirit guess what before he started his ministry there was no record of him performing any miracle none think about that for 30 years he walked the face of the earth no miracle so what changed after between age 33 30 and, 33 and a half. What changed? The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us, you know, he went, you know, for that baptism, you know, and I've told you what that baptism signifies. No time to get into that now. But the heavens opened and the Spirit of God, you know, the Bible describes the descent of the Spirit as the descent of a dove. But descended upon him. That was the anointing. And, you know, he went into the wilderness, he fasted for a bit, you know, had communion with God, overcame temptations. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 4 verse 14, the Bible says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and then everything changed thereon. It says, And news of him went through all the surrounding regions. So what was it about Jesus now that was so fantastic? The anointing of the Holy Ghost. The anointing of the Holy Ghost. His life changed. His life changed. We began to see miracles. 30 years prior, no miracles. But in three and a half years, there were miracles so much. You know, that John by figure of speech, gives what you would call like an exaggeration. He says, if you write all the documents, all the testimonies in books, he says the whole world will not be able to contain the books. If you stack them up, you know, stack them up to the moon, there won't be any space. So much impact in such a short time. 30 years prior, no impact. Nothing extraordinary. Three and a half years, So much to tell. John had written, told the story in many chapters and he said, you know what? If I keep telling the stories, even if I write and fill books enough to fill the whole earth, there will still be more to say. What was the secret? How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good. It was the anointing of the Spirit that enabled him to go about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, the Bible says, because God was with him. Now, his touch was supernatural. His life was supernatural. You know, I shared a thought, you know, with us during the midweek service. I'm going to go through this again. Jesus' touch was supernatural. In Mark chapter 3, I'm just going to do like a brief commentary on Mark Mm. You know, I'll just go through a few chapters and verses there and then just to buttress something. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 3 verse 10, he says, For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. There was something about his touch. This same Jesus, you know, who probably prayed, played with friends growing up. Nothing happened, nothing extraordinary, nothing recorded as regarding healing. Now a multitude is coming after him, seeking to touch him because they noticed something. Listen, they did not attend a healing meeting where, you know, he taught them about his supernatural touch. It was an observation, a scientific observation. They noticed that when a sick person got touched by Jesus, they got healed. And so he's literally walking on his own and people are running after him, appealing to him so that he can touch them. This is extraordinary. They that had afflictions pressed about to touch him. Mark chapter 3 verse 10. Look at, you know... And then you know the story in Mark chapter 5, he's walking. A woman, the Bible calls that the woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus, heard that Jesus was passing. And she, heard, she said to herself, if I may just touch the... Because that, the news had gone round. The touch of this man does amazing things. The news had gone round. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She came, just like the folks in Mark chapter 3 verse 10, She touched even without permission. Jesus was just going on his own. She touched and instantly the hemorrhage stopped. The Bible says she felt in herself that she had been healed. Just like that lady on Sunday, last week Sunday. She felt in herself that she had been healed. Oh, that testimony was amazing. You know, she came to me. She was almost in tears and jumping. She she had a scan. You know, do you know what it means to be bleeding seven months? And just at at a word, you know, nobody even touched her. It was just a word of knowledge. You know, the power of God hit her. She fell to the floor, got up, and the bleeding stops. That's our Jesus. That's the life that we've been called to live. And she touched him, and then the hemorrhage stopped. Because there was something about the touch of Jesus. Well, we're not done yet. In Matthew chapter 7 again, matthew chapter 7 from verse 31 is as again departing from the region of Tyre and sidon he came through the midst of the region of decapolis to the sea of galilee then they brought to him one who was deaf and had the impediment of speech and they begged him to put his hands on him you know they didn't even say pray they didn't even say talk to god they said sorry sir i know you're busy you're passing Can you just touch him? Just touch him. Just touch him. The people believed that his touch was enough. It was was an observation they had made. A discovery. That this man, his hands are not ordinary. They had enough faith to bring someone who was deaf. Deaf and dumb. To say, you know what? Just touch him. Matthew, Mark chapter 8, the same thing. So, we've made, read from Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 7. Now, Mark chapter 8, verse 22. It says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him, and begged him to touch him. Please, sir, just touch him. Just touch him. That's all we're asking. Just touch him. So, now the people are appealing. Just put your hands. Why am I saying this to you? Because now in Mark, the same book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 17, it says, This son shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. It says they will place their hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. So now, the book of Mark was a compendium of all the amazing things that the hands of Jesus could do. A man like you and I, fully man, got tired, could sleep, got hungry, got thirsty, could be tempted, could die and in fact died. 100% man, he could do all that he did only by the power of the spirit and now that spirit is in you. Listen to me. The Bible says the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And so he's telling you what you are capable of now. He's telling you what your capacity is just the same way he lived um, a somewhat ordinary life for 30 years. God filled with the spirit and everything changed. I'm letting you know if you are born of God, your life has changed those hands of yours are not ordinary anymore and like jesus you can touch and things change you can touch the sick and they recover you see jesus you know when he was done preaching he came down and someone who had leprosy said to him if you will make me clean and he says i will be thou clean and he touched him leprosy is contagious Leprosy is contagious. But Jesus touched him. Rather than contracting the disease, the leprosy disappeared. Listen, listen, listen. Except Jesus lied. This is the Word of God. I dare you to believe the Word of God today. I dare you to believe the Word of God. He has called us to live His life, the quality of His life has become our destiny. Our calling this is the life we are called to live they shall lay hands on the sick and he didn't say they will contract the sickness rather he said the sick will recover you know i heard a story about john gilick he's a missionary in a place plagued you know with an epidemic but they noticed that he wasn't being affected by this sickness because he had a lot of close contact with people. You know, he was praying for the sick and all of that, and nothing happened. So someone took some of the bacteria and placed it on his palm and then used the microscope to observe what was happening. And then the story says, right with their observation, they saw the bacteria die. All of it just died right on his palm. Listen, you believe about listen, this is the problem a lot of people have. If I told you that happened to Jesus, you'd be like, "Of course. Of course. If you put bacteria on Jesus's palm, what else are you expecting? But the same li- listen to me, everything that Jesus was capable of doing, he did by the Spirit in you. Think about what I just said everything that jesus did he did by the same spirit inside you do you know what it means you know for devices to have the same software the same ram the same they have the same function the same ability different devices but same ability same capacity he has gifted you his spirit children of god over the world Refuse to be ordinary. Refuse to allow sickness and disease to thrive in your body. Listen, you you start growing your faith to declare the word of God. It doesn't matter how many times a day you have to say it. Declare the word of God. Refuse to settle. Refuse to settle. Some of you, all you're doing is looking at the news. And it's okay to keep abreast with the situation. But look at the word also. Who has God said you are? Refuse to fear. Refuse to fear. You know, you just look at the news. Um, they say 600 new deaths in so-and-so place. Like I heard in a country, 32% rise in the death rates based on the pandemic. You know, and then you begin to panic. You begin to panic. You begin to panic. Can I tell you something? By all means... Please take all the precautions that you need to take. And I'm going to talk about that soon, you know. But never live a life based on fear. Because fear does something terrible. You see, Peter was on a boat. And he saw Jesus walking on water. And he says, well, if you're the one, ask me to come. And so Peter stepped out of the boat. Actually walked on water. Walked towards Jesus. Jesus. Incredible and this is just proof of what I'm saying that the things that Jesus did we can do also, okay? That's so important, you know, walked on water, but the Bible says he began to observe the boisterous winds. The tempest, you know, the raging of the ocean. His focus left Jesus. He began to consider all these things and what happened? The miraculous ceased. He began to sink. Moments ago, he was walking on water. Now he's sinking. What changed? Fear. Fear. Fear makes you vulnerable. Fear makes you live below your true potential, your true capacity. I'm saying be responsible, be cautious, but refuse to fear. Confess the word of God. I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. I have what He says I have. I can do what He says I can do. And I refuse to fear. This is so important. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, and let me say this. I've said that on a personal level, just so you know who you are. On a corporate level, I gave a prophecy. I said, witty inventions by the Spirit were best answers to this pandemic with witty inventions. A lot of people don't know that the Spirit of God can influence people to come up with intelligent solutions to things like this. He can. Look at Bezalel and Aholiab. Ahol, Ahol, you know, these are architects, masters of gold or goldsmiths, blacksmiths, but the Spirit of God influenced them and they became creative. That's the power of God. You see, a lot of people think, you know, um, we have something against medicine. Emphatically not. Emphatically not. Medicine only discovers and plans what God puts in them. He put those things for our benefit. And so it, it's by his wisdom that we could identify his own provisions. Yeah. So you have to understand that. So we have nothing against taking precautionary measures. In fact, we are praying and prophesying. All right. And I can tell you, this thing is not going to last. It's not going to last. Coronavirus is not going to last. By the power and the wisdom of the Lord, solutions are going to be birthed. So I'm I'm just saying, whilst we wait, don't put your trust in men. Put your trust in God and know that even the scientists, God is working with them. He's going to walk with them. God worked with pagan kings. I'm telling you, some of the scientists may not even know God. They may not even acknowledge him. But his wisdom is going to walk through them to birth and answer a way out of this crisis. And I'll just give you two texts that talk about this and then we move on. In Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 12 ezekiel chapter 47 verse 12 the bible says along the bank of the river on the side on this side and on that side will grow all kinds of trees used for food this is this is this is this is a a vision of the temple of god and all the things that were happening around it it says there was a bank of river on this side and on that side all kinds of trees used for food their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. I wish I had enough time to talk about this. It says they will bear fruit every season. I'm going to come back to this. Listen, this is a supernatural type of tree. A supernatural type of life. You know, oh my goodness. You know, a lot of people say, um, or naturally speaking, plants have their seasons. Oh, this is not the season for corn. This is not the season for mango and all of that. But he's describing a supernatural kind of tree. It bears fruit every season. By the spirit, every season can be your season. I just just want to take a deviation to prophesy, you know, some people are saying, oh, this pandemic is going to affect the economy so much. Even in this season, you can be having your best life. Now, you don't say, oh, how will it happen? You know, that's how the prophet, you know, gave a prophecy about how much things will be sold in the market. and saw what he said, you know, there's no way this is going to happen. When you say that you only exempt yourself from the miracles, miraculous power of God, some people are wondering, how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to walk? Trust in the Lord! He talks about the type of tree. Every season, it brought forth fruit. Every month. Imagine! That's my life. That's my life. That's my life. Even in this season, there's supernatural supply. Supernatural supply. Can I tell you something? Strangers have been urged by the Lord to favor you. Strangers. Strangers. You're going to hear many testimonies of that sort in this period. So, so take note of that. But anyways, that's not even where I'm going. But that's good stuff also. It says, And it tells you why it bears fruit in every month. It says, because the water flows from the sanctuary. (laughs) It flows from the sanctuary. That's why this tree has a supernatural life and it's bearing fruit in every month. It says, the water flows from the sanctuary. It says, their fruits will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Fruit for food, leaves for medicine. So we see, the supernatural and the natural intersecting, you know, by the supernatural supply of God, ingenious medicinal inventions can be birthed. Ingenious medicinal inventions. So the leaves are medicinal, but the source of the tree is supernatural. You're going to see a lot of that in this season. A lot of that. A lot. I mean, people are literally going to wake up to thunderous innovations that will solve these problems. I can tell you that by the Spirit of God, it's going to happen. Praise the name of the Lord. Yeah. So this is not a God or doctor situation. we are responsible as a child of God, but you must never come to a point where your trust is solely on any man, on any doctor. Stop waiting for the World Health Organization to save you. No, you are a child of God. You have eternal life running through your veins. The Bible says this in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 15. Jeremiah 17:5, I beg your pardon. Jeremiah 17:5, it says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusted in men, and make it the arm of flesh, and make it flesh his arm. And whose heart departed from the Lord, you know, when you're just waiting, you know, for UNESCO, World Health, World Health Organization, the United States of America to save you. And you're no longer trusted in the Lord and who He says He is, who He says you are, you are in error. And that's that balance I'm trying to strike here. Because, you see, there can be Such a blend between medicine and the power of God. Let me give you an example. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 38, Isaiah 38, it says Hezekiah was sick. And the Lord sent Isaiah the prophet to tell him, you know what, keep your house in order because you're going to die. Immediately when Isaiah left, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and began to pray. He said, remember I beseech you. All the years I walked before you, remember. You see, you see, Isaiah was still on his way departing. The Lord told him, turn back. And tell Hezekiah that 15 years have been added to his life. 15 years. Thank you, Jesus. You know, so he turned back and told him, Oh, 15 years have been added to your years. And then Isaiah gave a prophet. Prophetic Prescription. That's what I call it. Prophetic Prescription. In verse 21, Isaiah 38, the Bible says, For Isaiah had said, let them take a lump of figs. This is medicinal. Take a lump of figs, lay it for a plaster upon the boil, and he will recover. Meaning, grand fig leaves. Place it upon the boil, he will recover. Isaiah was not a doctor, but he received a Prophetic Prescription (laughs) A prophetic prescription. I remember a guy, you know, who was so sick in the university, and I was walking past and he said, Pray for me, I'm sick. You know, and I was holding water, and the Lord says, Give him to drink. And he was surprised. Instead of praying, I just said, Drink this. And he just drank. I was passing by a few minutes after, and he was perfectly healed and healthy. Perfectly healed and healthy. Didn't need any treatment anymore. A prophetic prescription. That's that's God's ticket, God's answer to this situation and I just want to tell you refuse to fear. I'm going to round off with this, just a reminder and you see um, I've explained the exact context of this but there is still a message in there. The Bible says if any man be in Christ he is a new creature. All things are passed away all things have become new. Now this is fundamentally and primarily about consecration. In verse 15 says, Christ died for all, so that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him that died for them and lived again. You know so he died for you. You, you. you ought not to live for yourself. You ought to live for him, live for his glory, live for the fame of his name. And so when he's saying if any man being Christ is a new creature, all things have passed away he's talking about primarily your old ambitions before you just say, I want to be this, I want to do this. But now you subscribe to the Lordship of Jesus. You are sensitive to his leading. All things have passed away and all things have become new. All things are of God. You see, he has become your number one priority and ambition. But he doesn't stop there. He says we are ambassadors for Christ. So he's not just talking about a change in our orientation and our focus. He's talking about a change in our capacity. Paul said, God doth beseech you by us. When you see us, you are seeing God. Do you understand that? We have become the revelation of deity. That's, that's another meaning of the Son of God. Son of God describes a person whose responsibility it is to reveal God to the world. That's the definition of Son of God. A person whose responsibility it is to reveal God. John said, no man had seen God at any time. He says, but the only begotten Son of God has declared Him. The declaration of God, the declaration of the Father is what it means to be a Son of God. Why was He called Son? Because He's the express image of the Father. That's what makes you Son. That everywhere you go, you can prove divinity. Questions about the existence of God are extinguished because of you. This is your life. This is your calling. That you can reveal God. He said, we are ambassadors for Christ. God don't beseech you by us. Just like Jesus could say to the woman at the well. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is talking to you. Ay, what a mentality. That everyone that comes in contact with me will see my association as a gift of God to them. What a mentality. And you say, oh, he could say that because it was Jesus. He's telling you the same thing. He's saying in our communication, it is as though God is beseeching people, beseeching the world by us. To reveal his power, to reveal his word. That's our destiny. At a time like this, we must rise up. John says, now are we the sons of God. Now. 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 The people he was talking to, they knew who Jesus was and what it meant that he was the Son of God. And now he says, now are you. The world has expectations. It's time to be bold. It's time to function in the miraculous. It's time to heal the sick. Don't leave below your potential. Your hands have become the hands of God. I want to lead you in a confession right now. Lead you in a confession. And by the time I'm done... The power of God is going to hit you. The sick will be healed. Listen to me under the sound of my voice. Everyone who is sick. This is your moment. This is your moment. With words, your healing is about to arrive. With words. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. As long as you can hear me, say this with me. I'm a son of God. The spirit of God resides in me. I live a supernatural life. I have a supernatural life. I have supernatural health. No virus can thrive in my body. No bacterial infection can thrive in my body. No disease can thrive in my body. No No growth can remain in my body. By the power of God, I cut away any stranger in my body. Every unwanted growth, every sickness and disease, they leave me now in the mighty name of Jesus. Say, I have a ministry to the sick, not to contract their sickness, but to heal them. I have the power of God And it is manifest over sickness and disease. Say I'm going to live a long life. I'm going to live a long prosperous life. Say my hands are the hands of God. Say my touch is divine. I do the impossible. I see the invisible. Thank you for listening.